I'm Todd McKay. And I'm Aaron Woodrick. And this is the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. We're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. In today's episode, we've got, it's a it's an X-rated waste watch. That's what it is. The content, you know, try to keep it family friendly, but uh, you're going to want to check that out. It's definitely wasteful. And we've also got a whole list. Who's on the naughty and nice list? Franco Terrazano and Chris Sims, uh, they're going to laugh their way through that one. But first, we've got to touch on something that's pretty near and dear to the hearts of taxpayer federation supporters, the federal debt, and specifically, a pretty grim milestone we just marked with our national debt clock. Aaron, you have a really special relationship with that debt clock because you've driven it all the way across Canada. What was going on this week? Yeah, a little bit of a shorter drive this time. Uh, we had it in the Ottawa area and I brought it right downtown Ottawa, right in front of Parliament Hill, actually, uh, because we're not allowed to bring it on Parliament Hill, believe it or not. A few years ago, we tried to and they said no. So we just park it across the street with Parliament in the background. Uh, and the reason was we had to mark a depressing milestone. And it might have been a really sad coincidence that we did this on what's known as Blue Monday, December 21st. It's the shortest day of the year. And a lot of people say it's the most depressing day of the year for that reason, uh, especially this year, given everything that's happened. But uh, it just so happens uh, that our federal debt on that same day ticked over the one trillion dollar mark. So that's a thousand billion dollars in federal debt. Yeah, we've been talking about that a bit on the podcast, a trillion dollars. I'm still coming to grips with it, trying to wrap my head around a billion dollars, a trillion dollars. I mean, even Jeff Bezos. I mean, barely has a grip on that kind of money, but it seems like an occasion we got to, we have to talk about it. If not celebrate it, we've got to talk about it because that is an absolute truckload of money that's going to make a big difference for Canadians for a long time. Yeah. And I think you need to market because, you know, like we at the CTF believe that debt matters because it has a big impact on the choices that future governments can make. It has an impact on whether the tax dollars that we we think we're paying, you know, for programs and services instead are being spent on interest to the people that we owe money to. And that's, in fact, that's the reason we even built the debt clock in the first place and toured it all over the country whenever government spends too much money, because we really think it's important to have a, a strong concrete symbol of something that is, uh, you know, usually uh, treated otherwise as if it's invisible. And here's the thing, though, you brought the deck clock out, but we actually had some technical difficulties because of what the prime minister has done to the debt. Tell us about that. Yeah, in short, uh, we uh, we ran out of digits on the deck clock. We ran out of digits. Like when you've got a great big scoreboard on the side of a trailer pulled behind of a truck and you run out of digits to show the debt because Prime Minister Trudeau has run up so much spending that is an absolutely incredible thing explain like put that in context how does that happen yeah well i mean when we first built this version of the debt clock you know many years ago uh we only had it made with 12 digits because at the time you know the idea that a government could ever conceivably pile up a trillion dollars of debt was just so silly and outrageous that you would laugh about it but between the pandemic which actually only accounts for a third of this pile of debt and the, you know, many years of deficits we had over the half, last half century, uh, here we are now, we actually managed to make it to a trillion dollars in debt. So this is a, a big problem. I mean, a trillion dollars worth of debt, that's a bigger problem than we've ever had before. 
So we've got to get the deck clock back on the road. We're working on a plan for that. Tell us about that. Well, I don't want to ruin too much of the surprise, but because of the aforementioned digit issue, we're actually looking to, to buy and build a new deck clock. You know, it's almost a little bit scary to think of how many digits we might need to have on the new deck clock. Yeah, it's, it can be terrifying considering we had not foreseen this possibility. And you never really know uh, when you think about the fact that Trudeau government has actually signaled now in the recent fiscal update that it wants to spend up to $100 billion more after the pandemic is over. That's incredible. Like it's one thing to spend a lot of money in the midst of a crisis, but to look at it and say, even after the crisis is over, we're going to still spend $100 billion. What in the world is the government going to spend that $100 billion on even after the crisis is over? Uh, well, the thing is, they don't even know. Uh, they haven't told us yet. They'll tell us later. And that's what makes this so weird is that they've decided that that's how much money they want to spend. And they're just going to try and come up with some stuff to spend it on later on. Yeah, that kind of sounds like, uh, you know, some buddies I know when they go to Vegas, they're going to spend money. They don't know what they're going to spend it on, but they, they're pretty sure they're not coming home with that money. That is a very sketchy way to make government plans. So we're definitely going to need to get that new deck clock on the road. But stay tuned. Next up, we've got a deep dive. It's going to be very festive. We've got Franco Terzano, our Alberta director, and Chris Sims, our BC director. They're going to uh, they're going to make fun of a bunch of politicians on the naughty list, but they're also going to talk about a few that are on the nice list. And that might surprise you. So stay tuned for that. It's time for Deep Dive. This is the time of the show where we take a close look at important topics for taxpayers. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're releasing the naughty and nice list that is full of politicians that have either gotten caught dipping their hands into the taxpayer cookie jars, or they've actually done some good work for taxpayers for a change. 2020 has been a crazy year, but just because it's been really tough doesn't mean that Santa Claus is taking Christmas Eve off, and we aren't going to miss out on publishing our taxpayers' naughty and nice list. So I'm joined now by my friend and Alberta director, Franco Terrazano. We're going to run through this year's list. I've got my eggnog ready. Slippers are on. Fire is cozy. Franco, why don't you kick things off? Who's on the naughty list this year? Well, the top off the naughty list is Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Yay! And and that's because (laughs) Trudeau is gifting taxpayers the guarantee of higher home heating bills and fuel bills for years to come by increasing the carbon tax by 467%. Boo! Yep, and Trudeau is even doubling down on that Grinch-style tax hike by imposing a second carbon tax. Yeah, as if one carbon tax isn't bad enough. And to make things even worse, Trudeau is breaking a promise to Canadians that he made only a few months ago when he told us that he wasn't going to be increasing taxes or costs. So Trudeau, welcome to the naughty list. It is definitely well-deserved. Speaking of Trudeau, Ontario Premier Doug Ford is also on the naughty list. That's because he teamed up with Trudeau to soak taxpayers for hundreds of millions of dollars in corporate welfare for the Ford Motor Company. Ford is pulling a reverse Robin Hood. He's taking from struggling taxpayers and giving money to one of the world's largest and richest corporations. To make things worse, Ford's corporate handout will actually result in 400 fewer jobs as the retooling of the Oakville plant to produce electric vehicles means a smaller workforce there. So Ford needs to remember his election promise to actually end corporate welfare if he wants to get back on Santa's nice list next year. Do better. 
Yeah, and next on the nice list, I've got to say, it's a real doozy, and that's because it's Alberta Premier Jason Kenney for letting his United Conservative Party accept the federal wage subsidy that was meant for struggling businesses, not for more political attack ads. Now, the Conservative Party leader, Aaron O'Toole, he understood that political parties shouldn't be taking another taxpayer subsidy, and he's making good on a promise to pay it back. Also in Alberta, we have our NDP, the official opposition. They're not taking the wage subsidy, and the UCP is out fundraising them. So Kenny's party is acting like a rich guy at the soup kitchen, and you know where that lands you? The naughty list. <laughs> Much deserved. Next up on the naughty list is one that really grinds my gears, and it happened locally here. Cities like Vancouver and over in Quebec and Montreal, they've been running around crying poor this entire time. Cupboards are bare, cupboards are bare, we can't afford anything. They say that one day and then they turn around the next day and they blow taxpayers' money on stupid, frivolous things. After crying poor, it turns out that Vancouver City Hall spent more than $300,000 on fancy office furniture and Montreal spent more than $600,000 on art only a few weeks after demanding more tax dollars from across the country. So Vancouver and Montreal, you know what we say to you? Welcome to the naughty list. We'd give you a lump of coal, We've probably already banned it. That's a good one. <laughs> no doubt. It wasn't all bad in 2020, though. Uh, we got to give our viewers uh, a reason to carry on. Uh, we do have some good news stories for taxpayers. Interestingly, BC Premier John Horgan recognized in the middle of the pandemic that it wasn't a good time to jack up the carbon tax. He was scheduled to do so back in April, but he didn't. He hit pause on the carbon tax. If only other Canadian politicians, hello, Justin Trudeau, uh, actually realized this. So since he paused that scheduled hike, he's actually going to land on the nice list. Frankly, we hope that this is a signal that he knows that the carbon tax is unaffordable. And as he knew it back in 2008 when he was opposed to it. And I hope this means that he's going to scrap it altogether. And that means in the future, we'll actually have more money to put presents under the Christmas tree. Well, next up on the nice list is Saskatchewan's Finance Minister, Donna Harpower. And tis the season for giving, and Saskatchewan's Finance Minister is giving taxpayers a great gift, the gift of letting us keep more of our own money. And that's because Harpower is putting an end to the sneaky practice of bracket creep, where inflation pushes taxpayers into paying more taxes. And for that move, Harpower made it on Santa's nice list. If only other politician would follow Saskatchewan's example and end bracket creep. Yeah, we're looking at you, Premier Jason Kenney. <laughs> you know, it's not every day that we get to celebrate uh, finance bureaucrats who work in Ottawa. In fact, it's pretty much always the opposite. But this year, the finance department filled us with joy by removing its 18% tariff on personal protective equipment, things like gloves and masks and stuff like that, after we blew the whistle. Before we shone the light on this issue, cities and towns were actually having to pay tens of thousands of dollars in taxes on things like gloves and masks just to keep their communities safe during COVID. Thankfully, though, the finance department quickly removed those tariffs, making it easier for communities to keep their citizens and frontline workers safe. So way to go. You guys are on the nice list. That's a good story for sure. And, uh, you know, usually we also hammer politicians for dipping their hands in the taxpayer cookie jar. But this year, 
we're actually seeing some politicians who are willing to give taxpayers um, a little something back and take a pay cut during these tough times. So here's a list of politicians who made Santa's nice list because they decided to show solidarity with struggling taxpayers and take a pay cut. So we've got Halifax Mayor Mike Savage for taking a 20% pay cut and a Halifax Council member Zorowski for taking a 10% cut. We also have Lethbridge City Council, Lethbridge, smaller city in Alberta, for taking a 10% cut. We've got some Vancouver City Council members for also taking a 10% pay cut and Burnaby City Council for taking a 10% pay cut and donating to a senior's charity. Very nice. And also to round out the nice list is Alberta MLA Drew Barnes for pushing his fellow politicians and also top bureaucrats to take a 20% pay cut. Now, we definitely want to see more politicians following this example if they want to make the nice list for 2021. Exactly. This is actually one of the funner times of year where we can give good shout outs to people who do good things. So there you have it. That is our taxpayer naughty and nice list for the year 2020. Let's put a fork in this year. We include the link in our show notes and we hope you all have a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. It's time for Waste Watch. This is when we make fun of the stupid things government does with your money. We've got Renaud Broussard here. He's our Quebec director. And like, we've got some ridiculous stories that have come out to, of Quebec. We, you and I were talking about how you, you have this boat that keeps banging into the dock. It doesn't even make sense. I don't know how they keep doing that. But this story is dumber than that, in my humble opinion. Renaud, what is going on in Quebec? <laughs> I mean, you're talking about dumb stories and short update on the boat. It did bump into the dock another time since we <laughs> talked about it last. Uh, but this is even stupider. Uh, thanks to the investigative journalism team at Le Journal, and we owe them a huge debt of gratitude, Quebec taxpayers found out that they have been subsidizing pornographic giant MindGeek. Now, these guys are the owners of Pornhub, amongst other websites, uh, to the tune of nearly 200000 bucks for the last decade. Okay, so I think as soon as we start this topic, we've got to acknowledge people have very different views on the moral and ethical issues associated with porn. Mm -hmm. There's lots of different views people have. We've got to respect all sides of that. Here's the thing, though. Surely to goodness, we can all agree that taxpayers shouldn't have to be paying to make porn. <laughs> like, Usually when politicians are giving money to businesses, they say, wow, we got to create jobs. We want to, you know, want to make sure we don't have a shortage in this area or that. There's no reason for taxpayers to be subsidizing porn. So what in the world is the government doing here? Well, you know, when you put it like this, it sounds absolutely mind boggling. Although I'm not sure there's a way to put it that wouldn't be mind boggling. But anyway, uh, but these guys actually managed to get their, their hands on that taxpayers' cash uh, to a variety of existing subsidy programs. And the reason is the requirements for those programs are so lax that they actually met every single one of them. Uh, for instance, the, the company got about 54,000 bucks in one case for what it called employee development. Uh, in another case, it got 35,000 bucks from a program aimed at integrating immigrants and visible minorities. In total, it benefited from subsidies in 17 different cases as well, the way these programs are worded, they're worded in such a way to make them accessible to as many companies as possible so politicians can dole out as much taxpayers' cash as possible. So this is just so frustrating about government. So we've got people in the bureaucracy just looking at the forms, checking the boxes, check, 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 check. 
oh, they qualify, give them the money. What do they actually do? I don't know, who cares? What are they, it doesn't matter. Nobody even thought to ask a question, hey, uh, what does this company do? Like, didn't even ask, just like <laughs> rubber stamp, but junk, here you go, out it goes, have a bunch of taxpayers' money. So how in the world it, could it happen that no minister, no bureaucrat, no nobody put their hand up and said, hey, does this make any sense? How, how can that even be true? Well, here's the thing. When it comes to ministers, uh, I learned about it at exactly the same time as a minister when I started reading my journal in the morning. It didn't even get to the politicians uh, before it got to journalists, which for the politicians says a lot about how, just how much attention they, uh, they're able to give to their different departments. Um, but thankfully, there's some bureaucrats that ended up noticing it. According to a department spokesperson at the Department of Employment and Social Solidarity, it stopped giving checks to the company in 2018 after figuring out what it was actually subsidizing. Now, there's a small caveat to that because I did get one more check afterwards. That was because they bought electric cars. So, you know, that, that's all okay. Uh, but that's right. It took the Department of Employment and Social Solidarity a total of eight years to wise up and realize that the company it was subsidizing was not, you know, a small unknown company, but rather a multinational pornographic conglomerate that owns the 52nd most visited website in the world. So this just blows my mind because you would think the right time to ask the question, hmm, what does this company do? You know when you should ask that question? Before you give them the money. <laughs> You don't just like send them checks for eight years and then think to yourself, hmm, I wonder what these guys are actually doing with the money. They're making porn. <laughs> they don't need the money. Are you crazy? So now that it's in the news though, so the government can't pretend they don't know about this anymore. It's in the newspaper. They know about it. So now the question is, what is the Quebec government doing about this? Well, here's the thing. Uh, the politicians in power, they're not doing much. They actually left it up to the bureaucrats to respond to the story because it seems that for them, the whole case is closed. Uh, you know, in their minds, from, from my understanding at least, seems that, well, now that MindGeek, the owner of Pornhub, uh, was found to be the owner of a pornographic website, they're not getting their hands on more taxpayers' cash. So apparently, that, since that one case is closed, politicians seem to think that the issue is gone. Uh, and it seems that taxpayers should have to keep subsidizing the porn industry until there's finally some bureaucrat somewhere that wakes up and says, hey, maybe these guys are doing porn. Uh, but thankfully, the, the opposition has been quite quick to act on this, uh, with liberal uh, Christine Saint-Pierre saying, you know, what are we all taught? And something that should probably be preceded by it goes without saying, and yet that she had to say, which is, uh, and I quote, Quebec income tax bills shouldn't serve to subsidize the production of pornographic content. Yeah, again, there's almost nothing in politics that we can't debate and have multiple sides on. But surely to goodness, we can all agree with the statement, income tax bills shouldn't pay for making porn. Like, it's weird that we're even talking about this right now. It's weird. It's so <laughs> weird. I know, but that's, that's just what the opposition politician said. So what is the government doing on this? 
the government doesn't seem to be doing much. Uh, one, so we've talked about these very specific subsidies, uh, but those are not the only subsidies that MindGig is suspected of getting. Uh, Quebec has massive refundable tax credits that it gives to the tech industry. Uh, and these, uh, for multimedia companies like uh, Warner Bros. and Ubisoft, for instance, are absolutely massive. Uh, there's some years where Ubisoft's worldwide profits were smaller than the size of the refundable tax credits that they got from the Quebec government. Like, we're talking millions. And while it hasn't been confirmed whether or not MindGeek or other companies in the pornographic industries uh, have access to those tax credits, a lot of elected officials, especially in the opposition, have been making noise about it. Uh, Quebec's official opposition of the Liberal Party put forward a motion a few weeks back asking uh, the government to make tax credits unavailable to the pornographic industry. And it got backing from all the other opposition groups. But uh, since we have a majority government and the government, the government party voted it down, that motion didn't even get to pass. Uh, thankfully, the government came back the next day with a much more diluted, much softer version uh, of the wording, saying that uh, companies that have been found guilty of crimes in relation with specific types of pornography should be banned from getting those credits. And look, it is le much less restrictive than what the liberals propose, but at least like it's a, it's a small baby step forward, right? Uh, but that, that brings us to the following question. Like just, just how much money have Quebec taxpayers been pouring in subsidies over the years to the pornographic industry? And as much as I'd like to be able to answer this, it seems like we're still just scratching the surface. Yeah, it's, I'm gonna go on a limb here and say a bunch of money has been wasted here. <laughs> but here's the thing, instead of haggling over what kind of porn should get subsidies, how about this? Just no more subsidies. Let's just cut off corporate welfare. If a business wants to make money, go make your money, you know, but uh, don't take taxpayers' money. On oh, absolutely. This. Surely to goodness we can agree that taxpayers shouldn't be paying for porn. And at the end of the day, frankly, we shouldn't be giving subsidies uh, out generally across the board. That would be the easier way to solve this problem, in my humble opinion. Oh, but I'm sure we'll see more nonsense on this story coming forward. Oh, definitely. Definitely. All right. That's it for today. Thank you so much for, uh, for checking in and listening today. And thanks to our colleague, James Wood, for doing a great job putting this podcast together. We're going to take a week off, but there's going to be a Best of Waste Watch edition in, during the holidays. So check that out. It'll probably put your blood pressure up a little bit, but it's also kind of funny. So enjoy that. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening. And thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.